Hello and welcome to our podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Please head to our website for more information on what is happening at Ashburton New Life or to get in touch. One of our team would love to talk to you. Here's today's message. I just thank you so much. I thank you for being here today, Lord. I thank you for the Wairuataku. I thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you for being here, present with us today. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that, that you just clear anything of me out and just make me an empty vessel so I can reflect your heart today. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. Right, so ghost stories. That was, um, yeah, a bit of a challenge because there's so many things I wanted to sort of talk about. But what sort of got on my heart a wee bit is a story in um, the Bible that I've always kind of, I've always kind of put it in that category of a bit of a ghost story in a way. It's it was sort of a little bit, um, I never really understood it. A little bit disturbing for me, so I'm going to unpack it today, and um, I hope that I can help peel some layers away. <clears throat> So we're starting a wee way through Jesus' ministry. When him and the disciples are travelling by boat over the Sea of Galilee to a place called Gadara. So this story is in Mark, Matthew and Luke. Um, and some of the different, there's some differences between the three Gospels, between place names and things like that. So I've sort of just grabbed the commonalities and put them together. So Jesus lay down to get some sleep on the boat while the disciples got them through. And on the way over, a furious storm came up that they hadn't seen coming. The boat started to take on water, and as the disciples were panicking, they noticed that Jesus is still sleeping through the storm. So tensions and fear rose. They woke him up in a panic and said, Teacher, teacher, can't you see? We're going to drown. Please help us. So in Mark 4.39, he got up. He rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Or in Luke 8 of the Passion Translation, it says, with great authority, Jesus rebuked the howling wind and surging waves and instantly they became calm. Then Jesus said to them, Why are you fearful? Have you lost your faith in me? So Jesus releases peace over the storm. I believe it's because the peace in him was greater than the storm outside. Okay? Storms are created by unstable atmospheres, hot and cold colliding. So why can't they be calmed by a stable atmosphere? So we all know that we can change atmospheres ourselves. You know, you've experienced people walking into a room and the whole atmosphere changes because of their mood, what they're carrying inside them. So Jesus actually had peace to give because he had been resting and he was able to give what he had into the situation. The disciples only had fear and acting out of fear will only blow up the situation and as your thoughts become irrational. Because fear strangles faith. Yeah, fear strangles faith. Sometimes God wants to work through us, not for us. 
So maybe this was one of those times that he wanted the disciple to stand up in their authority and rebuke the storm themselves. Or did the disciples truly believe that God was going to let them all die that day? We don't know. But we need, when we need to calm a storm, God expects us to start acting in faith and then allow him to meet us where we are. Joining our voice with his releases his dominion into the circumstance. So Jesus rebuked the storm. So this tells me that the storm had some demonic roots. The storm was sent to this boat for a reason. The devil did not want them to go anywhere near their destination today, that day. But anyway, they arrived on the shore and a demon-possessed man ran towards them from the tombs. This man had been living in the, amongst the dead. He'd been living in the tombs, screaming and crying in terror day and night in his mental and physical torment. The demons were forcing him to cut his skin all day with sharp stones. The people had tried to chain him up numerous times, but every time he broke the shackles. The, the, the force in him was just so strong. So this man came running up to Jesus and he fell to his knees in worship. And then the demon spoke. It said, what do you want from me, son of God? Have you come to torture me before my time? So Jesus then commanded the evil spirit out of the man. He didn't go through his history and find out where he'd come in or find out his generational curses and things. He just said, go, get out. And then he asked it what its name was. Legion, the demon said, because we are many. It then begged Jesus not to send them away from this area because it was control, controlling the area. And the word legion wasn't his name. The word legion means, um, it's an old military term, and it actually means a multitude of soldiers. It means between three and 6,000 soldiers. So does this mean that this man was actually possessed by up to 6,000 demons? Wow. So the next part of this story is a bit that I probably couldn't understand that well, so I, I never really gave it too much thought. The demons then saw a herd of 2,000 pigs nearby, and they begged Jesus to send them into the pigs. Jesus allowed them to do this, and the pigs rushed down the steep bank into the lake, and they drowned. So the herd of pigs tells us that this region didn't believe in God because Jewish people don't eat pigs and they don't even want to touch them because they feel they become unclean. And it also tells us that the amount of pigs must have been worth a lot of money. A lot of food, a lot of skins, a lot of fat, bone, whatever they used to use them for back in those days. Um, and these 2,000 pigs, they ran off the cliff and killed themselves immediately. So why did the legion of demons ask to go into the pigs? Did they know what was going to happen? Well, demons can't tell the future. So I believe that they were desperate to transfer into something fast. And mad, violent pigs would be deadly to people, so they were going to go into the city and um, cause mayhem. Or Maybe the demons thought that this might happen. The pigs may drown themselves. And putting the blame on Jesus for the city to lose their livelihood is a great legacy for them to leave, isn't it? 
So then the herdsmen ran off into the city to tell everybody what had just happened. And then the people from the city rushed in to see. They saw the man who had been possessed. He was now wearing clothes and he was sitting at the feet of Jesus, this man who had been terrorizing, terrorizing the town. Perhaps they saw that a scarring had gone. I don't know, the Bible doesn't say that. But I know that they would have seen a change in him as soon as they looked at him. Because I can tell you that once a demon leaves a person, their face does change. I was there when Michael, my husband, he was delivered of a demon that had held him captive for 30 years in addiction. He was an IV drug user, and towards the end of his addiction, he was using heroin up to four times a day, and he really knew in his heart that he was going to die. <coughs> so I took him to a couple of pastor friends of mine, and we prayed for Michael, and God reached out to him that day, letting him feel his love and his, giving him his identity. Jesus poured out his shalom peace into Michael's raging black storm. And I was there when he looked over at me with fresh new eyes. They changed. There's his eyes there before and after. <laughs> so they changed colour and they changed depth. In fact, it took me quite a long time to get used to this new Michael. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good change. So we'll go back to the story now. Um, the people from the city recognised the man and they were scared of the transformation that had taken place. They just didn't understand. And they had just lost 2,000 beautiful fat pigs to a man who calls himself the son of a god they don't even believe in. So they begged him to go. They begged Jesus to leave. They chose the pigs and then Jesus just accepted their choice. You see, there is a time in everyone's life that we have a choice to make. We can choose to follow God, or we can follow the world. We can choose the pigs, or we can choose the lamb. The man who had been delivered also begged Jesus for something. He begged him to take him back with them on the boat. But Jesus said to him, no, go home, go to your family and friends, go and tell them what happened today and how God has had mercy on you. Jesus sent this man, who had been saved for mere minutes, back into this region to change it. This man wasn't a scholar. This man wasn't a teacher. He wasn't a rabbi, but he had a testimony. Okay? The simplest way to share to anyone about who Jesus is is to share our testimony, our story. This man, who had been freshly delivered, was told to share his story as an ordinary man who had an encounter with the living God. I mean, Michael was delivered on a Tuesday. On Wednesday, he was out telling everybody he could about Jesus. He couldn't help himself. It was in him and it wanted out. You know what I mean? It's so good. So we can apply this story to our lives today. It is the beauty of the Bible. It's alive and it's very relevant. But here's what we can learn from that story. Number one, we will go through storms in our lifetime, whether it's relational, whether it's health, whether it's financial or actual storms like earthquakes, they will happen. In fact, there is a storm happening right now over the whole world. This storm has been planned for a very long time and it is here right now. It's in this country, it's in this town, it's in this church, it's dividing people, it's causing fear, hate and division. 
Philippians 4, 6, 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If we react to these storms out of fear, our boat will fill up with water and it will sink. If we rest in the Lord and we worship Him every day, we will be able to carry His peace to calm the storm. Remember that we have been given authority to calm the storms. Through faith, we will be able to speak to the storm and it will have no option but to be still. Number two point. The Bible says we are to do what Jesus did on earth, plus more. Matthew 10.8 says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, and drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely you give. God's will is for heaven to come to earth. And by bringing miracles, signs, and wonders into the marketplace, we will show the world that God is real and that he cares enough to do the impossible for everybody. No matter where we are in our lives, after all, he's done it for you and he's done it for me. It's a living representation of the gospel. Number three point. The man Jesus sent out to tell people about him was someone who had no extra training. He had just met God and he was able to bring that light with him home to share the good news. Jesus asks us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Not just the extroverts, not just the preachers, but the ordinary, average person. Acts 4.13 says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realised they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Unschooled, ordinary men. Point four, we are given a choice. It's our free will and Jesus will respect our decision like he did from the, with the people from the story. We need to choose today whether we value our possessions, our pigs, or if we want to die to self and live under God. Okay, the pig or the lamb. Mark 8.34 says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So point five from the story, the demons know who Jesus is. They know how the Bible ends and they cannot reject the power of Jesus. Therefore, the demonic cannot reject or come up against the authority that has actually been given to us. The only ones in this story who rejected Jesus were the people from the town. They didn't believe in God before and they rejected him. Even when they came face to face with Jesus in a living miracle at his feet. So point number six, the Bible says that Jesus returned a while later to one of the cities in this region and he healed a deaf and mute man in Mark 7.31. So we know that there were people here who were open to God the man that was sent back to tell the people about him ultimately would have reached thousands of people and it must have opened their hearts for Jesus to return later on. There is no way that these people could have argued that something supernatural did not happen that day. 
all of the city would have known about this possessed man. They would have seen the change in him straight away. So the story has got quite a lot more depth in it than I realise. But the standout one for me is that he sends out unschooled, ordinary men to preach the gospel to all nations because that's what God has asked us. If you were that man and you were standing in front of Jesus, 